UMass Hockey just split their series with number six Michigan, and boy was that win a special one. We're recapping everything that happened this weekend, including the wild comeback and very likely the best period in program history. Let's go. Character. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 94 of High Character. We just had an absolutely wild weekend of hockey at Mullins. Number six, Michigan, came into town. Uh, they beat us down pretty bad in game one, but one of the all-time best UMass hockey games in game two. Oh, what a, what a blast to watch. My name is Cameron, and I am joined once again by my good pal, Evan. Evan, how you doing, man? Dude, you want to talk about the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, man. We we got that this weekend. It was a freaking crazy one, if we're going to be honest with ourselves here. But, I mean, you can kind of tell by the tone of my voice. I'm feeling pretty good, obviously. We're going to get into the specifics of it this episode. But uh, you guys are going to want to stick around for this one because we're going to talk about probably, in my opinion, my favorite UMass hockey game of all time. I'm shocked I have a voice right now to even be talking to you guys. So let's get right into it, Cam. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, so obviously this is our series recap episode, so we're going to talk about both games. We're going to go through game one a little bit quicker uh, than the second game because I think, yeah. think you guys want to hear about the second game a little bit. So Definitely. Um, we'll, we'll talk about game one. Um, going into the game, we no surprise to us. Uh, if you listen to the little preview we had, Cole Brady got to start once again um, against Michigan. A couple guys coming back that we didn't see against AIC, Aaron Bollinger, who was nursing a little bit of a shoulder injury. He's back. Uh, Adar Suniev, he comes back his first game uh, for the Minutemen. He's supposed to be a lethal scorer for us down the line. So uh, pretty good to get a couple bodies back. Yeah, not to mention Nick Van Tassel, too. He ended yep. up get, coming in as an extra skater for game one, and then he ended up swapping, I think, with Christian Sanda for game two. So that was another new name, getting into the fold, getting some experience under his belt. It was very welcome addition. The only thing that was a little bit sad to me was no, no Nisari. You know, you guys were hearing me sing my absolute praises of him, you know, in the, in the first kind of, you know, weekend that we had last weekend and he played his ass off. He was playing very, very well. And for him not to be a part of the lineup this weekend was a little bit demoralizing to me personally, because I'm already a, a massive fan of him early on, but we heard it was just with sickness, you know, he's a little bit ill at the moment. So hopefully he'll be back for next weekend because he is an absolute treat to watch out there, especially this early on in the season. So hopefully he comes back soon. Yeah, and it's a big blow. Um, obviously, he was uh, first-line defense last week. Uh, big part of the game. He won our CCC for player of the game. So um, definitely tough to see him out there. But hopefully uh, in Minnesota State next weekend, we'll see him no problem. So yes, that's sir. a welcome sight. Uh, as for this game, UMass actually came out pretty hot. Uh, the first 10 minutes of the first period, they looked really good. I believe at one point they were up in the shot totals, like five to one. Looked like a really solid team controlling the puck, controlling play, um, putting a lot of pressure on some near misses. Uh, probably should have scored a goal or two in that time, but uh, mm -hmm. this team looks fantastic at the start of this one. Yeah, that, that's not, that's kind of the tough part that you just mentioned there is kind of the near misses. I mean, if, if we're being honest with ourselves, we were creating a lot of really good chances. We were playing very, very aggressive, quick, solid hockey and we just weren't getting rewarded. You know, Carvey talks about it time and time again. You get what you deserve. I, I think we deserved a lot more in the, in the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the game. You know, we were looking, quite frankly, like the better team, you know, and that was the most frustrating part, admittedly, about the game. It's just, you know, we had 
we had the ability, but we just didn't have the consistency. I think not scoring on a couple of those kind of clear-cut chances kind of demoralized the team a little bit. You know, that's a, that's a rough go, especially when, you, again, you're, you're outplaying the team very, very badly. And there's nothing to show for it. You know, it's just a really tough look overall, and it ends up kind of biting us in the butt a little bit towards the end of the first period. Yeah, about halfway through, um, really, really tough penalty on Taylor McCarr. If you listen last week, he he won our good try award for for his quick penalty in game one. Uh, he was undisciplined last year. We talked about it at length in many episodes. Um, but his penalty here really, really cost the team. Immediately um, at the start of the, the power play, Michigan scores, TJ Hughes. Um, they have a lot of weapons on that team. And uh, they can be really scary when you give them chances that they shouldn't have like that. Uh, just about a minute later, Garrett Shaisky scores. So uh, all of a sudden, UMass dominating the game, dominating the shots. Uh, you get a dumb penalty, and it's immediately 2 nothing, uh Michigan. Yeah, I mean, from what I remember, I mean, I'm pretty sure for the Taylor McCarr penalty, I was looking down at my phone at the time. I think my phone went off, so I don't actually remember seeing the penalty. But I remember talking to some people, you know, after the game, and they said it was a pretty soft one. So, I mean, it is what it is. But at the, at the end of the day, you know, you're trying not to get called for things like that. And with Taylor, it's been little bit of a recurring theme so again we want him to clean it up as much as humanly possible but it's not solely on him you know what i mean there was a lot of penalties to go around in this game and this was just kind of one of them first goal against i mean brady kind of got hung out to dry on a cross crease there there's not a whole lot he can do but the second one i mean you know you you kind of see it the whole way just from you know the high to mid slot and he just gets beat cleanly on his on his glove side so it, it is what it is you know i I think you one of those one of those goals against you probably deserve the other one. You probably want to get back if you're Cole Brady there. But yeah, I mean Michigan is that really type of skillful team and they know how to shoot the puck well. And as we're gonna kind of hopefully briefly talk about it, the the misery kind of kept compiling on top of us for a little bit in this game. Yeah, this was the precise moment where this game just really got out of hand. Um UMass was never in it sit after that moment. Uh they two nothing after the first start of the second. Dylan Duke gets one, makes it three nothing. Um, just a couple minutes later, pretty good answer. Uh, Aaron Bollinger scores a goal in his first game of the season. Pretty reminiscent of his goal in the national championship game in 2021, if uh, you guys remember that one correctly. So good to see the new captain get on the board right away with that C on his chest. Yeah, no, I mean Bollinger has that kind of knack for just finding the soft spot on the rush. You know, he can just kind of find those open areas and be able to tap the puck in, especially if, you know, the guy who currently has the puck can, can make a really good pass there. And I think it was Musa on that one, if I remember correctly, or it might've been Musa yeah. or Michael Cameron. I forget yeah. which one, but they were both involved on the goal. And yeah, I mean, a great pass is going to be rewarded by a pretty easy tap. And at the end of the day, you know, first game back for the captain, first goal back, you know, you love to see it. I wish the circumstances were a little bit better and I wish it's, you know, sparked a comeback, but, you know, you, you kind of have to take what you can get, especially, you know, we're, we're trying to really claw our way back little by little here. But again, it doesn't end up kind of being the spark of the the comeback that we all wanted, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, just one other thing of note, burst of speed from Bollinger on that goal that uh, he's not really known for, but that was uh, really nice to see uh, kind of caught the Michigan defense lacking there. Um, so that was one bright moment, but we move on in the second period, uh, just exactly 10 minutes in Garrett Shaifsky scores his second goal of the game. Uh, UMass gets a penalty a couple seconds later, and then 30 seconds later, Seamus Casey scores a power play goal. Um, five to one Michigan at the end of the second. Really nothing going UMass's way. Uh, in any in any form of the game, 
Uh, start of the third, Dylan Duke gets one less than two minutes in again on the power play. So uh, you can really see UMass being very undisciplined, very sloppy, um, and also not a not a great goaltender performance out of Cole Brady either. Yeah, no, I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, the defense got to do better, but in the same vein, I mean, a couple of those goals, I don't want to be the type of guy to rip on individuals. I say this every episode, but if we're being real here, I mean, it was not the best performance of Cole Brady's career for sure. You know, he has had moments where he is just absolutely lights out and unstoppable. It's, it's going to come back and swing around the other way eventually. You can't expect every goal to be perfect, and this was kind of the game where the pendulum kind of went the other way. He just was missing rebounds, you know, he had a little bit of trouble tracking the puck. And don't get me wrong, he wasn't put in the greatest position to succeed by the defense. You know, there was a couple goals that he just couldn't do anything about. But there was, I think it was on the third goal, I mean, straight up cross-crease pass, he had absolutely no, you know, shot at even getting across to try and make the save, but the shot was blocked. And he was already kind of just resigned to getting the goal scored on him. So he didn't even try to get back, you know, into a good position to make the save. You know, the puck just ends up kind of going off. It might have been Bollinger or somebody to try to make the block, and he just gets a second go at it and just shoots it right in. And Cole Brady's shocked that the second shot goes in, you know, and he wasn't even kind of ready, you know, to try to even make a save there. So it's unfortunate, you know, it wasn't his best performance overall. But, you know, it's you can't be on your A game, I guess, all the time. You know what I mean? That's what you want, but that's that's just not how reality works, unfortunately. So, yeah, there's definitely some ones that he would want to want back a little bit there. Yeah, um, that made it uh, five to one at the end of the second. Scott Morrow got a power play goal um, in the third period. Uh, he didn't put it in. He put it off a defender yeah. who, who put it in. So that was pretty funny. Um, Michigan got one more late to make it seven to two. But that's your final. Uh, it was tight, tight in the first period. UMass came out pretty hot, but after that. Um, the reels, wheels really fell off in a lot of different aspects of the game, and this game wasn't closer, tightly contested for almost the entirety of it. Yeah, I mean, the tough part is, is like, if you if you look at the game from a perspective of, like, you know, if we take an early lead there and a couple of those shots go in, I think it's a completely, completely different game. You know what I mean? I think it was kind of this compounding, I don't want to say, like, a lack of confidence, but just, it was just you know, losing a battle after losing another battle after losing another battle. And it just kind of started snowballing on itself. And it just really made for a crappy game overall. I think if we got a couple of those kind of early, you know, winning battles and we get something on the board there, it, it would have been a completely different game. You know, realistically, I think a lot of those goals went in just due to the game just feeling like it's out of reach. You know what I mean? I don't want to, I don't want to be the type to claim that, you know, the team gave up at any point, but realistically you could tell there was kind of a just a lack of body language from a lot of the guys on the team because they're just thinking all right well we're down 5-1 or 5-2 on Michigan what are we doing now you know what I mean it, it kind of seemed like at times it was just let's let's try and get out of the arena for this game and we'll we'll try and recoup for the next one and you know good for us obviously that's exactly what happened as we're going to get into for the next game but yeah that first game was overall just very tough for you know for UMass in general. Yeah, and it's really hard to get it done uh, when you play the number six team in the country and you give yeah. up seven, six penalties. Um, they they lost the shot margin by seven, so it really wasn't that bad. And they actually won the faceoff total, uh, thirty four to twenty six. So um, not terrible. Um, did feel like a lot of the second half of the game was kind of going through the motions. And um, we have a pretty interesting Coach Carville quote after this game. He said, for what the score ended up there was a lot of the game that I liked. There's a lot of that that makes me want to believe in this team. 
The score looks ugly, but I didn't think the game was lopsided. I thought we came out playing great and should have scored on the first power play. I thought we really controlled the game for 15 minutes until we took a penalty. And you know, Michigan, they don't need a lot to score, and that was the case tonight. They're a talented team, and when you give them too many power plays and too much space, they're going to score. I thought that was a big part of it. I think this team has the ability to grow and be a good team. I'm sure people probably look at the score and say, oh, here goes UMass again like last year, but that's not which wasn't a positive game by from the fan perspective at all. No, I completely agree. I mean, when I was talking to you, I think we were we were sitting, you know, we were, we were talking to each other about the game just kind of offhandedly. It was like 11 o'clock that same night. And I remember reading out that Carvel quote to you, and we were kind of just thinking, like, at least I was thinking, like, I don't think that's a bad quote at all. You know what I mean? I actually agreed with a lot that he had to say because he was completely spot on. Like, we did not play bad in the first period for the most part. You know what I mean? There was a lot of good to see there, and it was just – bad bounces and you know just silly mistakes at times obviously that power play was a was a huge you know kick to the back for us and just we just couldn't really get anything going out of that but again i was fully under the perspective that if if we just had one or two puck bounces go our way in in that first period that that'd be a completely different game at that point and that's basically what carby said so i personally wholeheartedly agreed with him i think there was a lot of positive takeaways from that game and again I feel like if if we get one or two early in that first period, that that's a that's a five four game right there. You know what I mean? Or like a four three. That's a much closer game than it being seven two. You know, I in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, so we we talked about it um, before the series happened. A split would be a fantastic outcome for UMass mm-hmm. uh, playing against the number six team in the country. So that was their goal going into game two. Um, we talked about Cole Brady a little bit. And to um, not to our surprise at all, we, we discussed this as well. Uh, Michael Harabel, the 18-year-old freshman goalie who is here seemingly a year early um, based on the, the goaltender situation, got his first collegiate start. And it was really awesome to see him in net and pretty alarming because that is a big, big man taking up the goal. Yeah, no, I mean, you guys heard what I was saying on, you know, on my personal Twitter account and partially on High Character, you know, last, last weekend. I, I saw a lot that I liked out of Rabble in the uh, in the Dartmouth game, that exhibition game. He looked poised, confident, athletic. You name it, he had it. You know, he looked like a prototypical nasty goaltender. You know, just a big kid with a really good you know sense for the game. And in my opinion, that's exactly what we saw out of that out of that second game against Michigan. I think he played fantastic. You know, the stats don't say it. If we're gonna you know, talk about the stats real quick. He ended up letting in three goals. He had a 3.02 goals against average and an 889 save percentage. I think you completely get rid of that goal against, and we're going to talk about it obviously, but he let in a goal with like 30 seconds left in the, in that third period, you know, with Michigan trying to claw their way back into it. If you take that goal out of the equation, he absolutely killed it that night. You know, his stats are absolutely stellar. So I think he played a very, very good game and I was very excited to see what he had to offer in this game against Michigan. Yeah, and you'll hear some of the context of that as we go forward. Um, no real lineup changes for this game. Uh, pretty similar in Ninasari, still didn't play, um, being under the weather. Another thing of note, this was a, a sellout at Mullins. So uh, we don't get too many of these with how big Mullins is, but there were over 8,000 fans in attendance for this one. And UMass, over the years for hockey, has kind of had a reputation of 
um, not playing their best hockey. Once you get that big crowd at home, that sellout crowd. Um, and this was, uh, just awesome to see this many people out here for a team that finished under 500 last year. So, uh, great support for the team for this game. Yeah. There's a lot to be excited about. I mean, this, this team is extremely exciting. You know, we're, there, there's a lot of question marks, you know what I mean? Like we don't know how certain guys are going to adapt and people are very, very excited to watch this team and see what they have to offer. And I think this game in general was probably the best time for us to show up and really put our best foot forward because it was in front of a massive crowd. I think we're going to be able to retain a lot of those faces that came into the arena for this game. You know, they're going to come back for more because they really liked what they saw, especially in that third period that we cannot wait to talk about. So yeah, I, I don't even want to talk about the context anymore. Let's just get into this one because I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, so this one, um, not not that exciting of a start, if I'm being yeah. completely honest. Um, yeah. There were no goals scored in the first period, but I think the, the two of you turned and looked at each other after this period and say that was, that was the most sloppy period from both sides of hockey that we've seen in a long time. Whole lot of penalties on each side. Um, there were yeah, six, six total penalties in just the first period really sloppy passing um just you name it this this was not a great solid period of of hockey that you expect from these two programs yeah from what i can remember i mean the shots were very very like low for both teams in the, in this game i mean it was i forget exactly what they ended but it was something it was like 6 to 3 or something like that like it was it, there was not many shots going on a lot of neutral zone play and i wasn't particularly enthused about how umass was playing like that's kind of going to be the theme for the first two periods. I think we were rather sloppy. You know, passes were not connecting. We couldn't handle the puck. The hand-eye coordination just wasn't there. And I was getting a little nervous. You know what I mean? Like, I just think, I was thinking to myself, is this going to be just a repeat of last night? Because I don't think, you know, we had a lot to kind of be proud about for from last game, but it looked like we couldn't even say that for this, you know, for this first period. It just looked like we could get nothing going offensively. And we kind of needed that because, if you're trying to win a game with an 18-year-old freshman in net, you got to give him some goal support. You know, and we weren't even really threatening the Michigan defense all that much. So I was a little bit concerned going into the second period for sure. Yeah. Um, and as we move to the second here, uh, we the sloppy play continued. Uh, there was a tripping penalty on Elliot McDermott. Um, pretty quickly after that on the power play, Michigan put one in. Frank Nazar, he's one of their ringers on their top line. Uh, he he found himself in the mid slot near the faceoff dot and just ripped one five hole on Rabble uh, with a lot of a lot of screening in front. So that made it one nothing Michigan. I wouldn't say Rabble gave gave a tough one up there. It was just the situation of being on the power play. Uh, a lot of guys in front of him it was a tough goal. Yeah, I'm actually I'm looking I'm re looking at this goal right now because I want to see if it was in fact tipped. I think it might have been. I'm trying to see who took the shot here. I couldn't tell if it got tipped, but. Regardless, I mean, like you said, some bodies in front, it's going to be a tough look for Harabal. I mean, it, it's a tough look for any goalie. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to have a couple of bodies in front of the net and you have a guy, especially on the power play, you know, relatively uncovered because whenever you have a power play, somebody's going to be at least a little bit open. You're a man down. That's just the way that things work mm -hmm. in hockey. It's, it's tough for anybody to try and make a save there. And I think, you know, up until this point, Harabal was pretty freaking good. You know what I mean? I mean – he probably had, you know, 10 or so shots against at this point, and he was stopping all of them. One of them trickles in. I mean, he he got to ease into the game at some point. You know what I mean? Like, you can't expect absolute perfection out of a guy who's, quite frankly, not that experienced. So 
it was it was a little unfortunate here and i'm thinking to myself like ah crap like we got to get this kid some goal support you know what i mean i think in the first period we had four power plays and we couldn't convert on any of them mm-hmm. so like i'm just trying to think like we can't expect our 18 year old goalie to put up a shutout and for us to win off that you know what i mean like i was bigging him up i really wanted him to play to his best and i think he played very well here but you can't expect absolute perfection this early on it's just you know un, un unreasonable yeah, and there were some fears that the floodgates might have been opening in this game because less than two minutes later, uh, Garrett Shaivsky, he scored two goals in the first game. Uh, he finds himself in the crease off a, a pretty juicy rebound of a Moldenhauer shot, uh, just stuffs it in the goal and makes it 2 nothing Michigan uh, pretty early into the second period. Yeah, I I mean, this one, again, I don't necessarily pin it on Gravel because, I mean, they had a wide open look inside the mid slot, essentially uncovered. You know what I mean? Like Gravel did his damnedest to try and get to that. You know what I mean? And I think he went butterfly on that and it might've went over his right shoulder, I think. And it went bar down. And originally a lot of people thought that it went straight up, you know, it was in right off that, but I think it hugged the goal line and nobody was able to kind of fish it off the line. And it just kind of gets tapped in pretty similar to Ninasari's goal last weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the same kind of idea there. And, you know, doesn't really matter how big you are as a goalie. You know what I mean? Like that was a pinpoint shot by the Michigan guy. Everything there was essentially perfect. You know what I mean? It you can cover as much net as you, you know, as you as you you want to, but there's always going to be that little bit. You know, if we can find a human that is perfectly net shaped and can kind of just stand there and take up the whole thing, we're gonna win every game with a shutout. But that's not how goalies operate. So there's gonna always be a little bit there. And they took advantage of it. You know what I mean? We just weren't quick enough on scooping it off the line there and getting it out we had a lot of those chances in this game where we did scoop it off the line but this one just it just wasn't meant to be yeah this watching this one over again this is the only goal michigan goal of the game that i'm uh putting on travel um seems like he lost lost track of the puck for a while um but other than other than this one i think he he played great we we talked about it before and we'll talk about it a little later just uh lost track of the puck for a split second and a team like michigan's going to clean up those opportunities if you give it to them. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. All right. So as we go on in the second period, there was no more scoring, but UMass looked a lot better as a team in this period. They ended it with 17 shots in the period, uh, as opposed to the three shots that they had in the first period. So they were really getting their chances. They had more power play chances. Um, So the, the ice wasn't looking tilted towards Michigan direction, Michigan's end by any means. It was just, UMass uh, not being able to to finish. That's that was the big complaint after the second period. Is who, who are the finishers on this team? Who's going to be scoring goals? Because at that point in the game, we had no idea. Yeah, shout out to Fear the Triangle on that tweet. I'm going to call him out on that one because that tweet aged like milk, and I called him out on that one. It, it was hilarious to me because I was in the exact same boat. I felt the exact same way the entire game. I thought we had a couple chances, you know, and it it, it was kind of a mix between were we just not finishing our chances or was the other team's goalie just looking really, really good? You know what I mean? Cause it looked like we just weren't even putting good shots on that. He was blocking them aside. Like they were absolutely nothing. And just to, just to continue talking about kind of the, in between the second and third period, I'm going to lead off with a quick little quote from Carvey. Well, I guess a paraphrase of a quote from Carvey because he mentioned kind of talking to the boys, you know, in the, in the post game of this game, basically right at the end of the second period. And he said, this is period six right here. You know, he's basically counting the two games as being combined at this point. And we were wearing them the hell down. You know, I think we were playing very well, kind of below the net. We were grinding them out. We were playing very physical on the four check. This, you know, everything was going to eventually culminate into them being a tired team. 
And I think Carbon's spot on with that. You know what I mean? That's exactly what happened here. And this is going to be the exciting part of the episode because we get to walk you through every single goal that UMass scored in this glorious comeback. But yeah, Carby hit the nail on the head right there saying that we were wearing them down the whole game. And this is kind of our chance to strike because normally we're not really a team that, you know, kind of takes the early lead and closes out games particularly well. This is kind of the game where we're kind of throwing that on its head. We didn't really start the game particularly great, but we're closing it out with an absolute bang, you know, by being the the much better team in the third period. Yeah, and one thing that we we did need to mention real quick about the second period, UMass had a five minute major uh, power play. So um, yeah, that, we that really, do anything. yeah, that really added to that shot total there, um, and and what became really frustrating as the second period ended. But uh, we move on to the third, and it looked like an entirely different team came out on the ice for UMass um, right from the jump. UMass was going crazy, um, high energy, um, just skating the pucks, winning puck battles against the boards, um, connecting on passes. They looked really crisp, uh, and it was really, really awesome to see a second, especially with it being the third period of the second game. Um, and it wasn't wasn't too long before they recorded their first of the game. They were on the power play. Um, puck was bouncing around the crease, and Ryan Ufko, new captain, found himself uh, with the puck on a stick and the goalie on his ass and put it right in the back of the net, made it 2-1. Brother, we looked like an NHL team out there. I mean, th this was the, the best that I think we've looked in very recent memory. You know what I mean? It's by far the best we've looked all season so far. Best that we've looked in, in quite a while, if you're if we're looking back at last season too. I mean, this first goal, you got to start somewhere. You know what I mean? It was not sexy. It was not beautiful. But by <laughs> God, was it effective. You know, Gorman gets a little scoop shot on net. Puck's kind of sitting around in front. Musa trying his best to do his like i guess i mean it's kind of fitting because he's wearing the number nine he's trying to do like a leno impression by picking up the rebound and trying to slot it in really quickly because that was leno's game and luckily the puck kind of squirts out in front goalies on his stomach trying to do whatever the hell he's trying to do in front of the crease there and wide open net for up slaps at home smiling the whole time he was hype after the goal he was loving life right there great selly trying to get the team you know back into the game and it it was just you know, everything was just coming up really good right now. We were we were looking really good. The team was hyped. The boys were what's the term that the kids use nowadays? Buzzing. I think the boys were buzzing. So we're we're feeling really, really good right now. Yeah, and watching this over, uh Ufco sellied on the glass. Um, and there's a UMass Mullen Center security person keeping the fans from going up to the glass and banging on it. What's, what's up with that? What's up with yeah. that? That that's that happened when we were students too, man. Like we were getting hype in the student section, like we would have guys like Kale and freaking Leno just absolutely nipping Genos and selling with the boys over here. And they'd be like, hey, get off the glass. What are you doing? I'd be like, have you ever watched a hockey game in your life, man? Like, be normal for once. Like, understand that, like, there's human emotion going on here. We're not all robots that are here to succumb to your will. You know what I mean? I don't care how much authority you have. You're a freaking weirdo if you don't like us doing the things that we do when we're, when we're trying to support the team. You know what I mean? Like, that's it, I wasn't even planning on going on a rant about that, but you just brought <laughs> it up and it's getting me angry. Like I cannot stand security in that freaking building. They're like trying to get into the stadium, dude. You know what I mean? Like mm. they were like ripping stuff out of our hands. Like, Oh, what do you got in your, in your pockets? I'm like, dude, I emptied them out like three minutes ago. Like I know the drill. Like the people are just so freaking weird, but Hey, we're not here to complain about security. We're here to talk about UMass scoring goals. So let's, let's keep back on track here. <laughs> Yeah, I was just watching that back. That that bugged me a little bit, but uh, nothing but nothing but good after that. Less than one minute later, Owen Murray 
finds himself with the puck on the blue line and a lot of room to skate it in. So he takes his time, snaps off a wrist shot with big uh, Lucas Mercury screening the goal, and uh, he nips one, makes it 2-2, two to two, and the place was absolutely jumping. Yeah, and you just mentioned the absolute key there. I mean, I mentioned it on Twitter today before we started recording this episode, but Mercury is freaking huge on this play. Like, I don't even I don't even know if he got an official assist on this. Let me actually check the box score because I'm curious. But he got himself just in the perfect position. Yeah, he doesn't actually get a point on this play. Somebody got to give him, like, an honorary mention for this, and I think it's going to be us right here. But he was in the perfect spot. You know, he might not even been actually getting the perfect screen. It might have been the Michigan guy. But he was in the right position to even stuck in, you know, kind of the Michigan guy to even try and get in front of the goalie. And Owen Murray didn't really have that much to shoot at, admittedly, because if he shot it anywhere near the goalie, it was getting blocked either by the goalie or the two guys in front of the net. He had a little sliver, you know, on the goalie's glove side to shoot at, and he freaking picked the twine perfectly. I'm going out and saying it for the first time this season. We got a twine-seeking missile on the radar, and life is looking good right now. The Selly electric, the boys buzzing, the crowd going nuts. Life is good right now. Me and you, we were hugging. We were going crazy in the stands, and everybody around us going absolutely ballistic. It was great. Well, Evan, I uh, I got another first for you of this season because less than two minutes later, UMass is on the power play and Scotty Morrow, he's uh, he's in at the faceoff dot and he gets a one-timer uh, and he scores our first piss missile of the season uh, right off the back bar to make it three to two. This one was weird because they didn't call it a goal right away. Um, play continued for four or five minutes before they stopped and uh, took a look at this one. We It was weird because we knew it went in right away. Yeah. Uh, we were selling in like, like it was a goal. They didn't call it on the ice, so took a few minutes, but uh, UMass did take the lead off this Scott Morrow piss missile. Yeah, if we want to get really technical, we could go for a complete high character first on a delayed piss missile, and it felt awesome because we were sitting there the whole time kind of looking at each other like, that went in, right? You know what I mean? Like, we were feeling mm-hmm. good. I was talking to a couple that was sitting behind us, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that went in. Like, I don't even know what's going to happen here. Like, the play ended up going on for another, what, three or four minutes before there was finally a stoppage in play. And I'm pretty sure Trackenberg was talking to, to Nolan Glukowski, assistant coach, the entire time, because I saw him, like, with the phone in his hand talking to him. And he kind of gave this, like, look to Carvey, and I'm like, all right, they're going to review this. Like, I think I think we're looking pretty good here. And, uh, yeah, it ended up working. It was a pretty quick review. I think it was maybe 30 seconds to maybe a minute long. And they said, all right, it went off the white pipe in the back, you know, a little support pipe. And it was right in, right out, and counts as a good goal. So, yeah, extremely delayed. It felt really weird for that to be the, you know, kind of the, the go-ahead goal. goal. <laughs> well, technically not, because we did end up getting a goal scored on us with like 30 seconds left. So if we want to spoil it, the Kenny Connors fourth goal ended up being the game winner, which we're going to get to very quickly. But – Yeah, not the way that we expected to take the lead there, but hey, they all count. It's not about how, but how many. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned it. Kenny Connors, um, just a few minutes later, again, um, at this point, the ice was fully tilted in UMass's direction. It might as well have been a mountain at this point. Um, They come in on the three-on-two. Connors has all the space in the world right in front of the goal, takes his time, and uh, he nips one to make it four to two. Yeah, and it's all about getting the really good zone entry there. I think it was a stretch pass that ended up finding Musa right in front of the Michigan bench. He glides it in. They they gave him a lot of space. It was a little weird. Like, I don't even know why they didn't try and kind of collapse him a puck a little bit, but Kenny Connor starts rushing in from the neutral zone, makes a three-on-two. You're going to have the uncovered man. Musa squares up, uses his body perfectly to kind of pick out that pass to Kenny Connors. Kenny Connors in all alone. We saw that a couple of times last season, you know, just – 
basically him one-on-one with the goalie. He's not really the type of guy to do any sort of crazy movements. You know, he's not really much of a, of a dangler, you know, I guess as, as the kids would say, but he has a very, very solid shot and he used it to full effect here. I think he nipped a glove side on him, just beat him clean, just like Murray did. And this time there was no screen to help him out. So it was all Kenny Connors and his shooting prowess. So yeah, great way, you know, the team and just everybody from the bench, everybody in the stands, just in unison just went absolutely bonkers and that really blew the roof off this off of this building and just got everybody really into it right here that was that was the moment we're like oh like holy crap like this is it it's getting real you know what i mean yeah and all the uh the reaction that was lost due to the the moro goal go ahead goal being uh not called on the ice right away crowd made up for it on this one just going ballistic uh, Michigan pulled their goalie what I thought was pretty early. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they pulled them with more than four minutes left, only only down by two. And Lucas Vanderboys, who had himself quite the weekend, we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit later. He puts one from the almost the entire length of the ice mm-hmm. uh, into the back of the goal pretty pretty soon after they pulled the goalie to make it five two. Yeah, not the way that you'd expect your first one in a UMass sweater, but uh, <laughs> hey, they all count. You know what I mean? It was from. A very awkward angle admittedly like he didn't even really have time to look at the net but we were i forget were we on the penalty kill on this one or was it the second one that we got the penalty kill on i know there was one where we could just huck it down the ice at will but i don't remember if it was this one or the next one but uh he managed to you know find the puck in the zone obviously and he was able to just kind of rip it on net and nobody was there to cut it out you know michigan's defense was not in the proper position and you know, we didn't have many looks when it came to having the empty net there, but we made the ones that we did get count. I think we only had like two or three shot attempts and they they went in, you know what I mean? So we were absolutely clinical with, with no goalie in the net. But I mean, even as it looked this period, I don't even think it mattered if there was a goalie in the net because it looked like every shot that we were taking was just going in regardless. So hey, they figured, hey, if our goalie's not going to give us any help, we might as well pull him anyway, which yeah. I thought was an interesting strat. But hey, it worked out in our favor. Yeah, and uh, Michigan keeps their goalie pulled just a minute and a half later. Uh, Vanderboys again finds himself with the puck near the Michigan bench, uh, gets himself a little bit of space, and that's enough for him to put another puck in the back of the net to make it six two. And this was this this is where this game got a little loopy for me. I was like, is this is this real life? Is this the twilight zone? What are what are we seeing? Six goals in one period. It was. Absolutely fantastic. Man's feeling like David after dentist. Like, is this real life? <laughs> just, <laughs> just completely loopy. But yeah, I mean, like Harvey says, you get what you deserve. And you know, me and you, we both. I mean, this might be a little bit of a spoiler for later on, but we thought that Vanderboys played a really, really great game, and he he deserved to 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 definitely get a couple points up on the board. You know, he brought the energy. He was always super physical. Great forechecking. Great back checking was just never out of the play. You know what I mean? When a lot of guys, you know, at least in the first game, there was some poor body language at times. You know, some guys just kind of seemed like, you know, Michigan's just dominating us. What are we meant to do? Vanderboys never gave up. He was just always going, you know, 24-7. And he got rewarded with with two, you know, admittedly empty net goals. You know, we weren't – they weren't the toughest ones to score. But, hey, he made them count anyway. And he he was definitely a big reason for why this team was was so energized and playing very well over you know over the course of you know mainly this game but a little bit of last game as well yeah and uh i, I don't want to talk about it too much in this one um but with just about a minute to go uh UMass had a really dumb penalty cam o'neill um yeah. he he came in and gave an elbow to the face of michigan's goalie um they originally just called it a minor penalty um o'neill got attacked 
fittingly from uh, from Michigan players. Uh, there was one of the bigger brawls we've ever seen as fans yeah, crazy. after this. Um, and the the rest reviewed it and gave him five minute game misconduct. Uh, in my opinion, uh, that was really dirty play. I would not be surprised to see Cam O'Neill suspended for this one. Um, it didn't dampen the mood, obviously, for this win, but uh, it did allow Michigan to score a power play goal um, with the two man advantage. TJ Hughes put another one in to make it six to three. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. I thought that was pretty dumb. It wasn't the time and place for that one, but we don't have to harp on it for very long. I mean, yeah, a couple of things to touch upon just real quick before we wrap this game mm-hmm. up. I mean, first off, just so I don't forget, because it's on the tip of my tongue right now, Aaron Bollinger made a goal-saving block mm-hmm. like 10 seconds prior to the to the goal going in. So, I mean, realistic, I mean, we, we don't have to say that it could have been 6-4, but, like, he made an absolutely monumental kick save. You know, like, yeah, he did. like <laughs> Ravel was dead to rights on a cross crease, and the puck was just floating right along the ice and it was going to be basically going, you know, left side post and in and a beauty kick save. He genuinely looked like a goalie on that one. We could have put our own custom award in for that one. Honestly, that was such a good play, but yeah, if there weren't so the, many options already, seriously. Yeah. But um, the other thing I just wanted to touch upon, I mean, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I mean, I understand how bad the hit looked and I don't want to sound like some boomer old time hockey guy saying that belongs in the game. I'm not saying that at all, but if you look at the context of what happened there, the puck goes in near the goalie. Goalie's trying to play it, and he messed up a little bit. There was there was an inkling where Cam O'Neill could have cleanly gotten the puck, and it looked. I don't know if he got bumped, but I don't think he was intentionally going for the goalie. It was one of those cases where the goalie's out a little bit out of his net. You you can make the argument that you know he's too far out. You know he's trying to make a play on the puck. I don't think he was trying to purposely attack the head. I think the goalie's hunched over trying to make a play on the puck. It was an unfortunate position for all involved. I'm not going to go out and say that I don't think it was dirty. I don't know what the hell was going through Cam O'Neill's head. I know it was going through the goalie's head and it was Cam O'Neill's, you know, arm, but it is what it is. You know, like it, it wasn't an, an, I don't think it was an intentionally, you know, bad incident like that. But I think it was just one of those, you know, two guys are going for the puck things happen at hockey, you know, could have been a minor. Sure. There was contact, but I don't want to say that the goalie flopped a little bit, but I don't know. It looked like, was his helmet really coming off after that hit? It looked like he was doing a little bit of, a little bit of ballerina twirl in there, but I don't know. Maybe if I look at, if I, if I could see the play again, I might change my tune, but looking at it live and that being the only, you know, angle that I got, those are my, my thoughts. So yeah, don't we'll get attacked here. I don't want to get canceled. You know what I mean? But it is what it is. The refs did take a look. Uh, they changed it from two minutes to five. So yeah. just just wanted to bring that up. If if you don't see Cam O'Neill uh, in Friday's game, don't be shocked. Yeah, no, that's completely fair. And I mean, yeah, the last thing they did look at it and they did give it a five minutes. So hey, what do I know? I'm not a freaking referee. They clearly saw something I didn't. But those are just kind of my overall thoughts on the situation. And I'm probably wrong because who the hell am I? You know what I mean? I just like watching the team. But yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is. But yeah, so that was a little bit of a sour note in an otherwise incredible, incredible period. Mm-hmm. Uh, UMass wins the game 6-3 over number six in the country. And we want to make sure we don't downplay this win at all because this was quite the, monument, quite the monumental win uh, in terms of UMass Hockey's program. Um, when, you, when you take into account last season um, and how, how downhill that went, the, the sub-500 record, um, it was the largest weekend crowd UMass hockey has ever had in non-conference play. So historic right there. And they saw an absolutely incredible comeback. So 
Um, this was such a such big win for a program. Biggest win we've seen in in multiple years now. So uh, I just want to make sure we touch on this for a few minutes. Like this was a big, big win. I mean, put it like this, dude. Like if you guys listened to our kind of like schedule preview and you heard our predictions for the season, and if you didn't, I suggest that you do. It'll be on our Spotify page and everywhere else you get your podcast. Quick little plug. But uh, yeah, if you guys paid attention to that and you guys are keeping score at home, I mean, I'm and Cam, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure we both had this series going down as us getting swept. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the fact that it was even a split is monumental. You know what I mean? That's freaking awesome. So it definitely wasn't the outcome that we expected, but by God, is it welcome. You know what I mean? It, it feels really good. We we played really well, and for it to come off of a six, count them, six <laughs> goal third period is absolutely nuts. You know, if if you, you know, you were looking, we were talking a little bit in, you know, in between the second and third period, and. I quite frankly didn't have much hope. I was not feeling good. I was sitting there looking through my phone, thinking, "What sad playlist am I going to listen to on the way home from the game?" And then all of a sudden, I genuinely could not take the smile off my face for the next 24 hours. I'm still smiling as we record this. I don't think anything could get me down. My cat could die right now, and I'd still be at least a little happy. <laughs> like, all right, no, that's going a little too far. I mean, obviously, I love my cat, and I, I hope you didn't hear that. But regardless, I mean, we're. <laughs> We're feeling really, really good after those wins. It's absolutely huge. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I really hope my cat didn't hear that. Love you, bud. <laughs> and we, we have another Carvey quote after this game. Uh, he said, I said last night to the team after the game, it was an ugly score, but I wasn't upset because I see a lot of good pieces here. We've got a lot of pieces that we got a lot of pieces there, and I'm proud and happy that the kids got rewarded. They played hard, and the message going into the third period was this is the sixth period, and I think we're wearing them down. Keep pushing, keep pushing. I said, if we get one, we'll get two. We'll get three. I forgot to keep counting. I never lost hope. Five on five, the kids played hard. It's a big win for our program. It's a big win for the confidence of our team and a big win we had a full building for and finally gave them something to cheer about at the end of the third period. So uh, big words from Coach Carvel. Again, this was um, an absolutely incredible experience. You missed their best period of hockey ever, maybe. Um, I think I'd go as far as to say that. So um a lot of great things to build off of as we move on in the season here. Yeah. I don't think that's a crazy stretch, dude. Six goals in a period. I mean, I can't think of, you know, in the seven to eight years that I've been following this team, I can't think of a time where we did that. You know what I mean? Like that's a, it's a miracle. If you score six in an entire game, if we, if we kept up that exact same, you know, demeanor and performance across all three periods, we would have beat them like 18 to nine or whatever. Like that would have been freaking ridiculous. But no, the point is, is I think that the the point that that Carby really hammered away that I think is the most important here is that it's it's instilling a lot of confidence in a young team. Like Sudiev, it's his first weekend with UMass. It's Travel's first collegiate NCAA game. You know what I mean? That those are huge. And for that to come off of a big win against a big opponent is going to work wonders for their confidence. Like I like the way that that Sudiev looked in the in the in those two games, but you could tell he's still a nervous kid. It's going to take a little bit of time for him to adapt. You know, I think, you know, I mentioned this uh, to some people that I was talking to earlier today, but adaptability is such a slept on part of college athletics. You know, like you got a guy like Jack Musa. He was playing in the USHL. I mean, I wouldn't say he set the world on fire with his points. You know what I mean? Like I thought he was going to be a pretty solid contributor, but he's leading the freaking team right now on points as a freshman. Like where the hell is that coming from? Like he is a very adaptable player. Some guys are going to take a little bit longer to, to settle in. You know what I mean? Like, Rabble, I'm telling you right now, he was probably at least a little nervous. You know, I think there he wouldn't be a human if he wasn't a little nervous. But if he looks back on him, he says, 
dude, I won my first collegiate game against number six, Michigan, and I played damn well while I was doing it. That's going to work well for him in the future. He's going to be able to look back at that, you know, and just kind of draw on that performance to, you know, do even better in the future. So it's it's absolutely huge for the guy's confidence going forward because at the end of the day, we have a young team. You know, I think this is the core right here. The guys that played very well in this series are going to be guys that are going to be playing very well for us two to three years down the line, hopefully. I'm hoping that they don't get poached by an NHL team, but who knows? If they keep playing well, they might be leaving early. But that just shows that, you know, they've done very, very well for us, and they're going to continue to do well, hopefully. Yeah, that's that's the hope, right? Um, is there anything else to touch on about this game before we hop into awards? I think we have an, a lot of things to talk about for awards, too. Yeah, you got you got that right, so I say we just get start getting into it. All right, so the first award that we like to give out is Carvel's Character and Compete Award, CCC. Uh, basically our, our player of the game, but for a series recap, player of the series. So uh, we're looking across both games for this one, um, and we came to an agreement. Uh, Lucas Vanderboys, he had himself quite the weekend. Um, in the first game, we didn't talk about it much, but it was very underrated aspect. Uh, he was quite the enforcer, uh, getting under the skin of Michigan. Uh, he was laying the body quite a bit. Uh, being very physical and just getting absolutely attacked by Michigan at every single whistle. Um, he was taking quite the beating, but uh, he was still throwing the body, being a good presence out there on the ice. And then obviously in game two, more of the same. Plus he tacked on those two empty nickels. So uh, really big body, welcome presence on the ice. He was he was fantastic to watch, and I just love the effort and character games that he had. Yeah, I think the real big thing was in game two. He was the one that drew the major penalty. I mean, obviously we didn't score on the, on that major penalty, but that's just part of wearing down the opposing team. You know what I mean? I think that, and, you know, this is kind of, you know, extrapolating here, and who knows if this is actually true, but I think that was a huge reason why Michigan was collapsing in that third period of the second game because they just had to defend, defend, defend over and over again, and it wears down on you as a team. You know what I mean? Like, they just – couldn't really get much going the other way. And it allowed us to kind of get ourselves back into the game. And he was laying the body, you know, he was grinding them out in the corners. He was playing very well down low. He was throwing heavy hits. He was holding onto the puck so we could get line changes and keep our guys fresh. So many little things. And that's not to discount everybody else that played extremely well in the series. This, we were sitting here talking for a solid 10 minutes to figure out who we want to put on this. You know what I mean? And it was a damn tough decision. So you know, I don't want this to be like, oh, well, this guy had four points and this guy was a plus four. I mean, those are all great. You know what I mean? But I think if we want to talk about character and compete, that's going to Vanderboys Boys all day. And I think he deserves it wholeheartedly. He, you know, for lack of a better term, and I'll leave it here, he played his balls off. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. So I'll leave it on that with that nice little, uh, nice little quotable <laughs> moment there if anybody wants to put that on Twitter. Two more things about Vanderboys. Uh, I forget the specifics of it, but on one of Michigan's power plays, um, he held the puck at the far end boards mm -hmm. in the corner for a solid 30 seconds. Crowd gave him a standing ovation yep. for, uh, for how long he was holding the puck against the boards. Uh, that was one thing that really, really stood out to me. And another, uh, we talked about it a lot last year about guys not really sticking up for their teammates mm -hmm. um, like we'd like to see um, in hockey every time. Uh, they were pushing and shoving. Vanderboys got right in the middle, stood up for his guys. So 
um, two underrated aspects that won't show up on the box score that were absolutely huge in this series. A hundred percent. I mean, and regardless of the two empty netters that he got, that's just kind of the icing on the cake. You know what I mean? I think if he didn't score those two, we'd still be giving him the, you know, the CCC. Mm-hmm. He just was doing all of the little things so well. And it feels like we had guys that were doing that last year to an extent, but I think this was just going above and beyond. You know what I mean? If we can have, the entire team buying into that. And I think we saw glimpses of that in this series. Mm-hmm. If we can get everybody else, like Lautenbach was doing that too. You know, I named an entire freaking award after him. I'm pretty sure last season about it. I had a whole like 30 like tweet that went out where it's just a guy on his hands and knees bleeding and collapsing and dying. And he's just like, I'm all right. I'm just a little bit tired. Like that, that's what, you know, Lautenbach was doing. So to have other people, especially a transfer that is barely even, been a part of this culture embrace that so quickly and so wholeheartedly it's so freaking encouraging you know what i mean because as a little side note i mean we haven't you know as as you know a program for the past you know eight years i wouldn't say we've hit on every single one of our transfers we've had a couple that have been absolutely electric carson gesevich jacob pritchard you know we've had some guys who are just monumental but then you know we have like the matt bakers and the cam donaldson's that weren't really doing a whole lot you know what i mean and I think we found another really, really killer transfer in Vanderboys, as well as Ninasari, as we talked last, you know, last episode as well. So I think the transfers are being very, very effective so far. Yeah, if you didn't just mention it, I was gonna two two CCCs so far this season, two transfers. So huge. Uh, you love to see that. Correct. All right. So the next award that we give out is the Good Try UMass Award. Um, a guy that we want to see. Do a little bit better out there that we have a little higher expectation for. Um, wasn't really a tough decision, at least in my eyes. Uh, we gave it to Cole Brady. I mean, I'm not here to blame the entire first game on him. Um, it was a team effort that that led to that 7-2 score. But there were a few softies that he let in. I wasn't totally pleased with his uh, his performance, and I, I was excited to see Haravel. So um, just just not the best game from him in the time that you really needed him to have a good game. Yeah, no, fully agreed. I mean, there was if if he kind of got the pucks that we would have expected him to get, he's we still would have lost the game. Let's be mm-hmm. honest here. You yes. know what I mean? There's no yes. ifs, ands, or buts about that. But it's a big difference between a seven-two game and a four-two game. You know what I mean? Like four-two, you know, which is I I would probably put three of them on him realistically. Whether it's due to you know losing the puck in your feet and then letting a, a quick little rebound go in like that or just straight up getting beat cleanly on maybe not the best look of all time, or just, you know, whatever it may be. If you have a 4-2 game, we could at least pull the goalie and give a shot at getting, you know, getting one or two back into there. You know, we are a very skilled team, and if we have a man advantage, you know, things can happen. You know what I mean? Having, you know, a 5-on-4 versus a 6-on-4, or, you know, whatever it is, you know, just having a man advantage is absolutely huge, and we couldn't even have the opportunity to do that because we were down by so much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, and that's not to completely, you know, roast him because first game against AIC, he looked damn good. You know what I mean? He had like 36 saves off 39 shots or whatever the hell it was. He looked really, really good, but you, you, you're not going to, you know, kill him every single game. You know what I mean? And it's just, it was unfortunate, but we would be pretty remiss if we didn't kind of toss it over to him. You know, the whole team didn't play well, but if, you know, we we could probably blame a little bit more individually on yes. him in those games, you know, instead yes. of saying, Hey, the good try UMass goes to the entire team. Oh, well, look at that cop out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's right. Like, realistically, Brady, he had a couple that were solely on him that we could kind of pinpoint him at a little bit, but 
hey, we, he's always going to stick around. You know, Harable, who knows what he's going to do later on in the season. It's always good to have a really good one-two goalie tandem. He's going to get his, his, you know, his chance. You know, there's there's no way, at least in my opinion, I don't think Harable is just going to get the net and run with it for the rest of time. You know what I mean? So he'll definitely have his, uh, his time to get back in there and show us what he can do because we know he has it in him. You know, we've yeah. seen it before. Yeah, for sure. Um, sticking with that goaltender topic, uh, why don't we go into your, your custom award? All right. Well, Hey, you guys, I mean, I put my neck on the line there. I've been talking about, you know, Adar Suniev for freaking a year and a half. This isn't going to him, but I've also been talking about Michael Crabble quite a bit. He's been playing very well in the USHL. And again, coming here a year early, very lofty expectations get the second, you know, second round pick to the coyotes. You know, he has very, very lofty expectations on sky high potential. I've been throwing it out there since last weekend, ever since I saw him play against Dartmouth. I said, this kid's the real deal. He is the future of this, of, of the net of this program, at least for the next two to three years minimum. You know, I don't know about goalie development, how long it could take, but this kid is the real deal. And I'd say he kept the opponent in check. Haha, <laughs> funny Czech Republic joke. Everybody, please save your applause for later. I'll be here all week. But yeah, I, I really do think that he, he kept Michigan in check. He, you know, he deserves that award wholeheartedly. The stats, like, you know, like I said in the beginning of the episode, the stats don't paint the best picture. But if you look at it contextually, I think he only let in one goal at even strength, which is what you're realistically judging, you know, your goalie on is even strength. He only let in one off of like, I don't know, it was like 23 or 24 shots on even strength. The kid was lights out. You know, he looked very poised, very calm absolutely massive in net you know we we had chances where they had a lot to shoot at you know what i mean it was a very high quality chance and he would just smother up everything that was even remotely near him but they had a couple of breakaways at points and you could just see kid looked like freaking slenderman from minecraft like he's just this massive figure where he could just be this lanky beast where it doesn't matter how much stick reach you have you can go forehand backhand Kid has the reach to get to any puck that you throw at him. It's just a matter of whether his reflexes are good enough. And we saw throughout most of that game that his reflexes were damn good. And he was ready to make whatever saves he, ne- he needed to to keep the opponent in check. So that's what I'm giving him. I'm giving him the keep the opponent in check award as a wonderful tribute to his check ancestry. I love this guy. I love what I saw on Saturday from him. Uh, he, I think he played phenomenally. Like you said, I don't think the stats um, told the whole story for the mm-hmm. night that he had. And listen, this guy is the second highest draft pick in UMass hockey's history Correct. at the program. Kale McCarr, obviously, uh, the only one drafted higher than him. Um, he's a top prospect. He's a he's a D1 goalie. Like He's mm-hmm. meant for this. He's only 18 still. You mentioned earlier in the episode um, – you don't you don't think he's gonna run run the table from here to the end of the season as our starting goaltender? I disagree with you a little bit. I think if he starts, I think he'll start game one against Minnesota State. Oh, correct. I don't have any doubts about that. Mm-hmm. I think I think if he plays well there, I can see a world where he makes twenty eight starts. I think this could be his net. Like if he if he continues playing well, I don't think there will be much opportunity to take it from him. I, I completely agree with you that he has the ability. I just don't know, like, and this is completely, like, in, in you know, I have zero reference to go off of here. But, and again, I'm not a coach either, but I just don't know if you want to play a goalie as young as him that many games this early on in his career and you don't want to, like, 
kind of burn them out, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? You kind of want to ease them into the role. I think if you want him to, you know, be the guy going forward for the year after and the year after that, you know what I mean? Do you really want to just chuck him into the fire and have him play every game? I mean, I get he's going to eventually have to do that at the NHL level. They play four games a week or whatever it is. You know what I mean? They're going to be, you know, you're going to have to be able to take on that workload eventually. I just don't know if it's going to be that early on. You know what I mean? Like we have, a, we have way more tough games on the schedule. If we're not just playing against Michigan, we're going to be playing against the likes of BU, BC, you know, back-to-back games, you know, you, let's, let's be real here. It might not fully be on him, but there might be a game where he gets yanked. You know what I mean? Just because the defense is playing poorly. We may be giving him a good try UMass award because he's going to have a similar, you know, thing that happened to Brady. We might, he might let in a bunch of goals. You just, you never know how things are going to shake out. So that's why I'm kind of playing a bit more on, on the conservative side on this. I fully, and that's, I wouldn't be talking about this kid and give him a custom award if I didn't think he had it in him. You know what I mean? But I'm looking at things a little bit realistically and I'm thinking, you know, about the unknown more about, you know, more than the known, you know, I know he, he is a very, very good goalie, but I think there's so much context and there's so many outside factors that go into a good goalie performance that I just I can't predict the future and say that he's going to be the guy that gets 28, 29 starts this season. Mm-hmm. There is so much more hockey left to play, and I just can't in good conscience kind of throw it out there at least that much. You know what I mean? I can I can I, dig up this kid as much as I want, but I can't go that far. I do want to throw him into the fire. I mean, between USHL and international play last year, uh, he started 49 games. So I don't think the conditioning is going to be what gets him. I mean, listen, this guy, uh, we mentioned top draft pick. Um, he's, if, if all goes right, he's going to be in the NHL before he finishes college. Like, that's the goal for him. That's his ceiling. Um, I would say his ceiling is even higher. It's staying for two years and then going. I think, I think you get as much as you can out of this guy with how high his potential is. Like, I don't know. I, I don't think you're playing this season to it's not national championship or bust. I think you, I think we've both talked about it next year is the year we're really like going all in on like national championship hopes. Ideally, ideally, if everything goes right, I don't, I, I say you get him the most experience you can let him, let him face hockey East, go through one year and see what happens. I, I think you do that. You don't worry about the stats at the end of the year. You get him that experience. I, I think I think you do. I think you throw him out to the fire. What what is there to lose? I think. Yeah, I, I mean, and I agree with you because again, if we want to go back to Carvey's interview that we had with him a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. that was his number one praise parable. You know, what I mean, he basically mm-hmm. said this kid is the most level headed professional kid that you can think of. He's not going to be the type to get rattled. You know what I mean? If if he gets a bad performance, this kid knows how to mentally reset and be the best that he could be day in and day out. I get that, but it's I don't like. I just feel like if you have the cushion of Cole Brady for now and you have that experience to kind of help him through it, I feel like if you're going to have a season to kind of ease him into it, you know what I mean? This this is his best possible scenario to be eased into things. Because as it stands next year, Cole Brady's going to be gone and we currently only have uh, you know, him and Jackson Irving on the roster. No shade to Jackson Irving, but we don't know what he can bring to the table yet. We don't know if he's back of quality yet. We'll see, you know, the, the 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 jury is still out on him. You know what I mean? Who knows yet? But most likely, I mean, are we gonna have a we're we're gonna we might have a transfer goalie coming in? 
I don't think Christian Kirsch is old enough. I, as far as I know, he's our only other committed goalie on the team. I don't know what our goalie situation is going to look like. You know what I mean? But I think while we know exactly what we have in our in our goalie group right now, we utilize that as much as humanly possible, and we try and just ease things into him. And you know, because again, if if we had our perfect development curve when it comes to Ravel, I know we're getting to like a ten minute conversation on this, but like. If 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 we're looking at it realistically, and if we got David Fessenden, right, we wouldn't even be talking about Michael Rabble right now. He'd be killing it for the freaking Omaha Lancers in the USHL for another season. We wouldn't even know what we have with him right now. So, I mean, the fact that he's even putting up decent enough performances right now is a goddamn blessing because we didn't even think we were going to have him going into this season because, again, Fessenden just didn't make it on the campus for whatever reason. So, I mean – we can definitely appreciate what we have right now, but I don't think we need to take advantage of it necessarily. And, you know, I don't want to say ruin what we have, but I think, you know, be a bit more realistic with our expectations and what we're trying to get out of Frabble for the season. I just, I don't think we need to reinvent the wheel here and just toss them in there. I don't know. I, I, I tend to take the more conservative route when it comes to these things, but that's just me. Hey, we can agree to disagree. Yes, um, sir. But let it, let us know what you guys think on social media. I think this is a pretty Seriously. fun topic to discuss. Uh, we might even get some clarity on the direction uh, even next weekend. We'll see what happens. 100%. Herabel could get both starts and be dominant. Who knows? We'll see. Exactly. That's obviously the, the ideal. But, uh, yeah, let us know what you guys think. For my custom award, um, I'm calling it Men Possessed. And uh, we – have never done this before, but this is going to, to five players. Um, <laughs> this was such, such a unique game that I think it needs a unique award. So men possessed. Um, this isn't everybody that played well in the third period, but these are the guys that stood out most to me. Um, and this isn't including Lucas Vanderboys because he already got the CCC. So yep. men possessed. Uh, Jack Musa, Ryan Ufko, Musa. Scott Morrow. Musa, <laughs> Musa, Ryan Ufko, Scott Morrow. Kenny Connors, Owen Murray. Those guys stood out the most to us as the guys that really dominated the third period. They looked like they were just playing at another level compared to what we've seen uh, in the first part of that game and this season so far. So um, if we can unlock that level of play out of all of these guys, we're going to be a damn good hockey team this season. Yeah, and I think I think the other thing to kind of mention too, because I mean, we could say that the whole team played freaking well because they did. You know what I mean? That third period was ridiculous, but – at least in my opinion, I mean, I think these these guys that you just mentioned right here really shifted it up another level from the second to the third period, if that makes sense. Like, the one that I would pinpoint the most was Owen Murray. I think, you know, as overall, like, I have been the most probably hot and cold about both Scott Morrow and Owen Murray. Two guys that I think when they are on their game and killing it, they very well could be some of the best players in hockey East. And I know that sounds like something crazy to say for a guy like Owen Murray, but I'm being dead serious when I say it, you know, he, I think he only has two goals for UMass right now, right? He had one goal in that filthy game that he had at the end of the season against Maine. And then he had the one tonight or oh, last night, whatever you guys get, you guys know what I mean? Yeah. And like he, when, when he looks good, he looks unbelievable. But I think that there were moments in the first and second period, he didn't look good at all. I'll be honest. He was misplaying pucks. He looked pretty shaky sometimes. But the thing they always had was really good skating. And that's super effective no matter, you know, how shaky your stick skills can be at times. And that's not just to call him out, you know what I mean? But I think his second goal 
really started to lift things off. You know what I mean? Like when he scored the goal last week or last week, last year against Maine, super important goal, like really, really tone setting goal. Same thing happened in this series. Like he just blew the roof off of Mullins and just got everybody into the game. And that's not to say that the rest of those guys that you mentioned didn't, you know what I mean? I'm pretty sure they all either had three points like Musa or just straight up scored a goal. Like basically everybody else that you mentioned, they were all absolutely nuts played their hearts off their balls off whatever body part you want to think of they played it off that's just what happened and yeah i mean doesn't happen too often or i guess we want to say too often it hasn't happened any time ever that we give a, an award with that many recipients but by god man was it deserved you know what i mean because without them we wouldn't be having this jovial conversation right now we'd be saying ah crap we were proven right by that michigan sweep again you know what i mean but hey, that's not what happened, and we're loving life right now because of these guys right here and everybody else too. The rest of the team killed it as well. You know what I mean? That's not to discount them either. Yeah, and you touched on Murray, obviously. Uh, Musa, freaking all over the place. He had three assists in the third period. He's nuts. Um, Connors uh, still has that elite snipe skill that we saw in in parts last season. Uh, Moro uh, continues to be extremely effective on the offensive side of the puck. Yes, sir. And Ryan, Ryan Ufka, I want to just talk about him specifically for a little bit. Um, in this game, it was the first time that I really got the realization this is an NHL player. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to play in the NHL, in my opinion. He, I think he's taken a big step forward this year, and I'm so excited to see it. No, 100%. I mean, he, like, not even just in terms of, like, scoring points, right? But it just... I don't want to say the little things because these are very important skills, but like things like keeping the puck cycling in the offensive zone. He has been very effective with his passing, which not to say he hasn't been in previous seasons, but just so much more. You know, he looks very, very good when it comes to passing, very good at kind of not telegraphing his passes and his moves with the puck. He just looks very, very shifty and very smart with it. Like he's honestly almost on the level of a Scott Morrow. You know what I mean? But in my opinion, he just his hockey IQ is just so good. His skating is so good. You know, you feel very secure when he's on the puck. You know what I mean? Like there are, you know, we we've seen players come across this program when we watch the games, and sometimes you're just like, oh no, he's on the puck. Like, what's gonna happen here? You know what I mean? But with Ufko, man, I just I feel secure watching him play. I don't have to worry. Like He's very, very solid two-way. You know, he's not the biggest guy out there. He's not going to out-physical you every time, but he's very smart with his stick. He's very smart with how he plays and, you know, where he goes on the ice. He's just that dude, you know what I mean? And he has been so, so, so effective recently. I think he was a plus four on on, on the uh, in the second game, which is just absolutely nuts. He might have been a plus four or he had four points. When, I know the number four is sticking out to me off the top of my head, but mm. – yeah, he was he's absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, no, really, really good guy to highlight right there. I'm a huge fan of Ufko and how he's been playing recently. And it, he's only gonna get better because that's how he's been. I don't think there's ever been a moment where he's kind of regressed as a player where he just, you know, you just think to yourself, you're like, uh, what happened to him? You know, like he's just not playing well this week. He's always at the bare minimum a solid player, you know, and there are just times where he'll just take it just a little step above and he'll become that game changer. And that's kind of what we saw in the in this game. It just the series overall. He looked very, very solid. Yeah, he, he definitely did. I loved what I saw out of him. So uh that's pretty much all we got for this series. Um, I kind of want to talk a little bit 
bigger picture about the hockey team's role because obviously with um, the the attendance this weekend, the sellout plus the the record for a non-conference weekend, there's a lot of buzz around hockey right now. More, the most I've seen, I, I think, since we won Hockey East. I think it's like the most buzz around the team since then. Yeah. Um, it's awesome to see, obviously, to get this win and to see all the support, but especially um, in the, the UMass landscape where football just lost to Penn State by 63 <laughs> points. Uh, the basketball team, men's basketball team, who, who really knows what we're getting this year, women's basketball team kind of got gutted. Um, this program has been such a savior for the athletic department over the last eight years. It's it's pretty crazy, and they continue to be that beacon of hope uh, this weekend. I mean, yeah, I don't know like what specifically you want to talk about, but yeah, dude. I mean, I agree with that on on every facet. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I want to go into specifics and start naming names and maybe have a couple of controversial opinions. I don't know how how correct or how uh, pro UMass you want to keep it on here, but yeah, I have you know like I think that this hockey team has been. All right, I'm not gonna go out and say stuff directly, but I think it saved a couple jobs. I would say mm-hmm. I think uh, I think UMass's hockey success is uh, a shining beacon of hope. You know, when it comes to uh, you know other other areas of the UMass athletics landscape. I mean, if you don't have hockey doing what it's doing right now, this 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 athletics landscape is a barren mess. It's a nuclear wasteland. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there really hasn't been many bright spots or anything. You know really just overall good to say, you know what I mean? Like, and that's not to say that the fan base isn't trying to stay positive. Like, you know, I wasn't even expecting to go into this, but like just, you know, football, we got people that are excited about this. You know, there's a lot of work that's being done behind the scenes to try and make this a, uh, you know, a a successful endeavor, at least on a, on a grassroots, like fan level, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like there's a lot of NIL stuff trying to happen. There's a lot of things going on, but doesn't matter if your team's not really getting it done on the ice, or I was going to say on the ice, we are getting it done on the ice, but on every other field imaginable, the court, you know, the field, whatever the hell you want to call it. But I mean, hockey, even without all the NIL stuff and all this other, you know, investment that people are talking about and all this other stuff, we're getting results. You know what I mean? You need effective coaching to get stuff done. And that's what we have there. You know, it's not always about like, Oh, you know, you need this and this and this and this. You just need players that are damn good at the game and you need coaching to get the best out of them. And that's what we have with this hockey program. And it is a freaking beautiful thing to see because when me and you made this podcast, we picked the right freaking sport. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, I'm I'm so blessed that, you know, we've been able to see the entire journey because it's been it's been because of Carvey. You know what I mean? And we saw the lowest of the lows, literally. We were the worst team ever our freshman year. Five and 29, that has to be a record for like the worst team that wasn't like brand new. You know what I mean? Like to have an established hockey program and still be that bad in the first season is kind of pitiful. But hey, we, you know, we, we overcame that. Carvey built us up literally to the mountaintop. We won the freaking national championship within, was it five, six years of that? Like that's, that's unprecedented. And, I mean, that's why I'm so happy that it has such a good following right now because they deserve it. You know, again, it all comes back, and I say the quote so much, but you get what you freaking deserve. Like, we didn't name our freaking podcast after this guy's ideals. We didn't believe what he says. You know what I mean? Carvey is that guy. He's him. And Mm -hmm. it's just – it's a beautiful thing to see because I don't think we're seeing that from anywhere else right now. And 
basically any sport from most other, you know, universities, just in general. This is a special thing that we have going here. And to be able to, one, make a podcast about it is, it's a blessing. You know what I mean? Like the things that we've been able to do and the people that we've been able to meet because of this program are freaking awesome. And I'm just, I'm so happy that, you know, we can continue to let the good times roll, hopefully. You know, I really think that we have a lot of future success that we're going to be seeing pretty damn soon. Yeah, and I just wanted to bring it up because UMass, on a national landscape as a school, um, the the narrative yesterday could have easily been uh, UMass football loses by 63 and hockey gets crushed by Michigan, like UMass athletics. Like, is it getting too much funding? Should we shut the football program down? No. Hockey had their biggest period of all time, basically, yes. and they shifted, they shifted the national narrative to be, oh, UMass beat ranked Michigan, like – hockey team's back like they're mm -hmm. doing this thing carvel's carvel's making another juggernaut team i just think that's so valuable for the school to have um and i, I kind of wanted to swing the conversation to um the new chancellor as well um javier reyes uh he's the new chancellor for the university um it used to be subaswami um last year was his last year and um we got the chance to run into him after the first game and have a conversation just wanted to uh thank him for his appreciation of UMass athletics and his support. So um, I'd like to think that athletics, uh, although it has hit some lows in the last couple of years is in, in some good hands with him at the helm. It was great to talk to him. Chancellor Reyes has been absolutely huge to your, to your point. You know what I mean? Like when we had Swami, I mean, I'm pretty sure he was our chancellor the whole time that we were students. So we've been following the team. He'd show up, you know, once every, you know, Maybe maybe once a year to a hockey game, you know what I mean? Like he he'd he'd be around every now and then. He'll he'll drop a ceremonial puck or whatever, and he'll be around. But you never really saw him make a bunch of posts about how he's going to be at a game this weekend or he's going to be you know supporting this team. You know, Chancellor Reyes has been everywhere, man. You know what I mean? Like I've I've been following him for maybe a month, month and a half now on social media, and I'm pretty sure he's hit up at least every single sport that's in session right now at least once. He's been to multiple hockey games already. He's been you know, to multiple football games, you know, soccer, field hockey, you name it, man, he's been there. And that's absolutely huge. You know what I mean? Just to have a chancellor that even recognizes the fact that, you know, athletics exists, you know, like Swami did a bunch of good stuff, you know, academically and all that other stuff. He probably fixed, you know, the image of the school overall to try and get away from the zoo mass stuff. I get that personally, no offense, to anybody, I don't really care. I get that it's a university and there's like academics and stuff that's fine by me. I got a great education here. I recognize that and I love it. UMass Engineering School for both you and I, absolutely huge, right? But we're, we, we've moved past that point where, you know, we got our jobs. Right now we're, we're zoning, you know, we're honed in on, on athletics right now. And hockey being good and being supported by essentially the head dude of the university, right? That's massive. You know, we we met him in person, you know, at the hockey game over the weekend. Lovely fellow, to, to say the least. You know what I mean? He was super, super nice, super just down to earth. You know what I mean? He doesn't have this air of superiority. Like, he had, like, security escorting him around. And he's like, hey, I'm going to talk to these guys. You know what I mean? He was, like, telling security, like, hey, hold on a sec. I, I got some stuff I'm trying to do here. And he was totally chill. Great to meet him and his wife. They were amazing people. And, you know, we offhandedly mentioned the pod and he was, he loved the idea of it. He was like, this is awesome to see kind of the sort of grassroots support. You know, he was super appreciative and you could tell he was just a, a straight up genuine guy who 
you know, really, for lack of a better term, give a shit, you know what I mean? Which is super cool, especially about something that we care wholeheartedly about. Yeah, and I I just wanted to bring him up for for those people that might not be too plugged in on social media, uh, see what he's doing, see that uh, we do have a new chancellor. So I just wanted to kind of share that support. And I think uh, it's a good sign that there might even be brighter times ahead for the the department as a whole. I think it's a really good good thing. 100%. Absolutely love to see it. All right. So uh, I think we've talked, said everything that we wanted to about this Michigan series. Awesome game. Uh, we've said that enough. This is turning into a beast of an episode. So uh, we hope you liked hearing our thoughts on that game. Let's let's turn the page to next weekend. Um, got another two-game series. This time it's going to be on the road. Um, the furthest road trip this team will take this season, I'm pretty sure. Uh, going to Mankato for uh, two games against Minnesota State. Um, Minnesota State, we talked about them a little bit in our schedule preview they have been a fantastic program for the last couple of years, kind of in the same period that UMass has been a, a fantastic hockey program. Uh, Evan had uh, shared that he thinks this team has taken a big step back this year. They lost their head coach um, and probably their eight to nine best players on their team. Um, they're all gone this year. They were picked to be about middle of the pack in their conference, which isn't that great to begin with, but they've gotten off to a very surprising start. They swept number 10 St. Cloud State. So they're 2-0 overall. Um, they played both games at home there. And uh, UMass will be coming into what will probably be a ranked Minnesota State team this weekend. Yeah, and I mean, hey, more power to them. You know what I mean? I'm not going to come out here and say that I've completely done a 180 on my opinion of them. I still think we're going to go into their town and take care of business. We're going to Mankato. We're going to kick some ass. That's what we do. But, hey, they had two good wins against St. Cloud. I don't even know if St. Cloud's that good of a team either. I have a couple of friends of mine who are big St. Cloud fans. And when I talked to them about the game, they were like, oh, yeah, no, typical St. Cloud, choking early in the season or whatever. You know what I mean? So I don't think this is anything new. We This happened to us last year, bro. You know what I mean? Like we, we swept Denver, and then we had a pretty lackluster season. Let's be honest here. Having a really good start like that against a ranked opponent is not the end-all, be-all of if you're a good team or not. You know what I mean? Like thing, things can definitely change and I'm not trying to use that as cope to try and like, you know, reinforce my opinion on this team, but I still genuinely don't think they're going to be that good. Like in their exhibition game against Nebraska, Omaha, they lost, they got shut out one, nothing. And I get it. It's an exhibition game, whatever. doesn't mean that you're not going to try. You know what I mean? That's still a very important barometer on where your team's at early on in the season. And they got, you know, I wouldn't say creamed, but they, they got beat one, nothing. You know what I mean? That's, that's a loss at the end of the day. So I, I genuinely think that, you know, both teams are going to be coming into this game pretty hot off of ranked opponents. You know, I, you know, they clearly got the sweep. We didn't, but I, I just think we got something about us, man. It's something about UMass. I think that, you know, Minnesota state plays in a much weaker conference. They don't have that same sort of day in day out kind of, you know, tough opponents that kind of just keep circling their program all the time. And they're trying to, you know, pick them while they're down, you know, they're, they're going up against, I don't want to say cupcake teams, right. But they don't have the strongest schedule of all time and they're not playing the best of the best. And I, I just, I don't think they're going to have it in them. And I think we're going to, we're going to humble them next weekend. And the only thing that's really going to suck about that series is us having to pay probably 30 bucks to freaking watch it on flow sports. That freaking sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. If that, anybody has any workarounds for us to try to watch these two games, please let us know because yeah. uh, 
if you've if you've tried to watch UMass sports in the past, you know the pains of flow sports of all of all channels. Let's talk about goaltending a little bit. Uh, we've talked about it from the UMass side. We both think that travel will very likely start the first game, barring something unforeseen. Obviously, um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens in game two. But for the Minnesota State side, um, in their three games, which includes an exhibition game, they've given up four goals total over three games. So um, looks pretty solid on the surface there. I don't know if you have any insight into their goaltending. I mean, they, so their their starting goalie, from what we've seen, he started both games against the St. Cloud's name, Alexander Tracy, right? And looks like he only had 10 games that he played for uh, for uh, Minnesota State last season, and his stats were – I mean, he got six six wins, you know, three losses, 2.24 goals against average, but an 8.79 save percentage. That just sounds like a byproduct of having very, very solid defense. Your save percentage isn't that good, but your goals against average is pretty solid. That just means you're not facing many shots. We know how good Minnesota State was under Mike Hastings in the past five or six years. Like, they played a very, very solid and strong defensive system. Who knows if that's going to translate over this season? You know what I mean? Like, this guy, you know, 1.46 goals against average and a 9.43 save percentage across two games. We saw that at a pad last season. You know what I mean? Pav came in with not too many games under his belt, but some pretty solid stats, comes into a starting role, lights it on fire to start off the season, and then he was okay. You know what I mean? Teams are going to have hot starts, and then they're going to get humbled eventually. It's all just a matter of when it's going to happen. I think it's going to be this weekend. I think UMass is going to be fired up and ready to go. Hey, I'd love to see it. Like I said, just given the given the results, uh, Minnesota State did receive – a bunch of ranked votes last week before this sweep of, of number 10 St. Cloud. So would not be surprised to see them be in the top 20. Also, don't be surprised. Keep an eye out on Monday. We'll post them uh, if it's relevant. UMass could be getting themselves some ranked votes after what sure. happened against Michigan. So uh, I think this is going to turn into to a pretty high-ranked battle, at least here in the, uh, the start of the season. So it should yeah, be very interesting come Monday to see what those results are. You just got to think, man, ranks mean nothing. We we were sitting there shaking in our boots saying, oh, God, what's going to happen when we go against number six, Michigan? We lost one game, and then we dominated the next game. You know what I mean? Things are going to happen. It's hockey. So you never know what type of team you're going to run into, but I'm feeling confident that, you know, I can't say that I'm going to know everything about every opponent that we come up against, but I know damn well what I'm getting when I talk about UMass. You know what I mean? And I think we're going to be getting a fired up, very, very motivated, and just overall excellent team. You know, the, I we know what UMass is going to bring to the table. And I think if UMass puts their best foot forward, we can beat anybody in the country. Yeah, I think we definitely can too. Um, you you mentioned rankings don't mean a whole lot. I mean, number six, Michigan, uh, we kind of steamrolled them, at least for the one period. Mm -hmm. um, we saw some interesting results uh, in regards to that with rankings with, within Hockey East. So uh I guess we can go through, and uh, we usually used to do this. I guess we could start it back up, go through, yeah. look at the Hockey East scores, uh, just what we saw from the last weekend. So uh, very interesting, in my opinion. BC, uh, BU, uh, we know they have a very solid program this year. They come in ranked number one this week, and they lost to UNH. UNH is supposed to be bottom of the barrel in Hockey East, 6-4 to four up in New Hampshire. So really surprising result there. Um, Maine beat... Rensselaer, uh, Holy Cross beat UConn. UConn supposed yeah. to be really good this season. Uh, Holy Cross beat them on their home ice. BC beat Long Island. Providence beat Stonehill. 
Uh, Vermont, nice win against St. Lawrence. And that, that was all on Friday. Saturday, uh, Clarkson beat Vermont in OT. Northeastern beat Bentley, no surprise there. Holy Cross beat UConn 2 nothing in Connecticut. So UConn gets swept by Holy Cross. That's a really, really bad start to their wow. season. Um, Arizona State beat Merrimack. Uh, they actually, uh, I forgot to say that for Friday, they beat Merrimack on Friday as well. So uh, Arizona State, I think they're ranked this season finally, a sweep of Merrimack, who was also supposed to be good this year. And then, uh, oh my Lord, I didn't see this outcome yet. The U.S. under 18 yep. beat BU 8-2. to two. Yes, sir. Number one team in the country. So a lot of really surprising results there in this, this first full weekend of hockey. Yeah, the, the ones that stick out to me from just from tweets that I remember reading in between periods from the UMass games, I'm pretty sure Providence, I think you said Providence beat uh, Stonehill? Yep. I want to say at one point in that game, it was like 4 nothing or like 2 to nothing for Providence, and I think they were out shooting Stonehill like 47-4 to or something insane like that. Like So it, for context, I'm pretty sure this is Stonehill's first D1 season or maybe their second, I don't remember. But they are still a new budding program, and let's be honest, they're just, they're just not there yet. You know what I mean? That's going to happen to most teams that are you know starting up their their first season in D one. But yeah, just like they Long were, Island a few years ago, we exactly one hundred percent. I think Augustana uh, as well is starting their first season. I think they end up finally getting their first goal of the season that weekend or this past weekend. So that was really cool for them. But um, yeah, and I think the other one that I wanted to mention was that BU game against the the under eighteen team. So. And I guess New Hampshire, and, man, that's crazy. Well, yeah, so I was going to get to that, but I think the, the funny thing about the, the U18 team, because I was actually looking this up earlier today, uh, just for a little bit of a UMass callback, I think Henry Graham got the start in that game. And unfortunately, I guess, depending on who you ask, we still wish him very well here at High Character. We think he he's earned every every you know reason to go and get some playing time wherever he goes. But I think he let in like five goals in like 23 minutes of ice time. He got quite frankly lit up by the the u18s and let's be honest here we say u18s but these guys are going to be first round draft picks you know in the next year or two like this is basically the best of the best of guys that can't play college hockey yet these guys are going to end up being on you know ncaa teams next year and they're going to be guys going to be first round picks and they're probably going to be first liners on most teams that they go to next season so you know, just because it says U18 does not mean that they're low on skill or anything like that. These guys are absolutely elite players. So I wouldn't say it's the most shocking result because I don't know if BU really put their best team out there because it was an exhibition. But yeah, that those were some some crazy scorelines to say the least. Yeah, for sure. We'll we'll see what happens. Um, obviously, in non-conference play for these these next couple weeks. Generally, you want to root for Hockey East teams. It'll help our, our pairwise ranking down the road when we play higher mm -hmm. pairwise teams. So uh, as hard as, as it is to root for uh, BU and BC and all those guys, it, it is something that we kind of have to do if we want to make sure that our, our ranking in pairwise is up where it needs to be. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest. I throw all that stuff out the window. I will never root <laughs> for a Hockey East team that's not UMass. I don't care how much it benefits us and all of our tourney hopes. You will never see. If I ever gun to my head, have to see a game where I need to root for BC, I'd rather the guy shoot me. There is no <laughs> way in hell that I will ever be rooting for BC in any facet of the imagination. I am sorry. Call me stubborn. Call me weird. Tell me that I deny the facts. I will look at you in the face and say, couldn't care less, didn't ask. Oh, go UMass. <laughs> go UMass, correct. So, yeah, there is, you know, 
I, I completely understand and I respect those that are, you know, going to be rooting for other hockey East teams. I get why you're doing it. Couldn't be me, though. So, yeah, definitely some some interesting score lines uh, over this past weekend. And, yeah, I mean, hopefully for all the other Hockey East teams, I'm hoping that they continue on a, on a poor path so we can just rise right up those rankings and be the best that we can be. Yeah, I just wanted to mention real quick, UConn, big surprise to me to get swept by Holy Cross. 100%. That I thought I thought they crazy. were going to be a very very good team this season. I had them finishing I think third or fourth on a in my little hockey's predictions that I did in the off season. Like I feel like a lot of the teams that I had you know going pretty high did not do very well this weekend. And in, in all honesty, like Merrimack, did you say they got swept? Swept by Arizona State. That was uh, yeah. two two ranked teams playing there. I was going to say that's not a very that's not a yeah. you know that's not a bad scoreline per se. But I mean, obviously, getting swept is never ideal. When I'm pretty sure I had them finishing, I think either second or third in in hockey East. So I mean, same thing with BU. You know, they were getting absolutely spanked around this weekend, which is a little unfortunate. I mean, at least for them. But yeah, a lot of lot of surprising scorelines here. But hey, if that means that we are going to be in a much more competitive, you know, kind of maybe not as top heavy league as we think. And we think that there's a lot of maneuverability between, you know, those top seven, eight teams that we could be one of those guys that rises right to the top, you know, like Macho Man or Andy Savage, the cream, it rises to the top, you know, and hopefully, hopefully we do that eventually. That'll be really, really cool. Yeah. And the, the rest of those hockey fan bases taking a look at the UMass results from Saturday. Hey, maybe, maybe shaking a little bit. UMass yes, might sir. be back. Yes, so, sir. Uh, that was basically everything we have. I don't know if there's anything else about the college hockey landscape or UMass specifically you wanted to touch on. Not that I can think of. I mean, I'm just I'm still riding the high from that from that third period. You know what I mean? I just think, you know, I I feel like I say this a lot of the episodes, but it's it's just so frustrating when we know the type of team that we can be and we see if everything clicks, amazing things happen. And the problem is, is that just not everything is clicking at the same time. Like we might be very well looking back at this performance and say, where was that every night? You know what I mean? We could have been saying that about prior seasons. You know, we've had games just like this where I genuinely could not think of a single team. We could probably go against a couple of AHL teams and hang around if we played like we did. You know what I mean? Like it's a beautiful thing to watch when everything clicks, you know, when it comes to, to any sort of UMass hockey team. We just play out of our goddamn mind. And the problem is, is that there's just not the consistency yet. And we always kind of blame it on, you know, it's a young team. It's going to take a little bit. But, I mean, on the defensive end, we got a lot of old dudes, if we're being honest with ourselves mm-hmm. here. You know what I mean? We have a lot of grad transfers, a lot of experience. And we're starting to get there with our forward core as well. You know, we have some young, skillful guys. But we got some guys that are older, and they have a couple seasons under their belt. I'm pretty sure, you know, like – I think Elliot McDermott, quick shout out to him. I think he played his 100th game in that in that game on Saturday, which, I mean, what a freaking way to go out on your 100th game. You know what I mean? Like, that's quite the win to get under your belt there. But that's what I'm saying. We have experience now. So I don't even want to be in that, you know, kind of mindset of making excuses necessarily and saying, oh, you know, we might have to, you know, give the team a little bit to gel. I mean, we we have the pieces. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying we have the pieces to – go out and win the whole thing. You know what I mean? But I think we have the compete the, the the pieces to be competitive every single night that we step out there on the ice. I don't think we should be taking any sorts of seven two losses ever again. You know what I mean? It happened second official, third unofficial game of the season. I say that's it. I think Michigan is going to be one of the best teams that we play against this season. 
we shouldn't be having any sort of those, you know, mental, you know, lapses and just overall getting dominated performances again this season. We got the yep. monkey off the back. It's over with. We got to look forward now. Look back at that third period from Saturday's game and say, this is what we can do every single night and we can make some great things happen. Yeah, exactly. This team has the pieces. I think I think they can make some noise this year. I really yeah. do. I, I think everything comes together, like you said. Um, we're going to have another fun new mass hockey season going forward this year. So uh, if you guys have listened to this point, thank you so much. This was an absolute beast of an episode, but mm-hmm. obviously there was a lot to talk about after that Michigan game. So we appreciate all your support. We're going to have a lot more to talk about the next time you'll hear from us. That'll be uh, most likely the Sunday after the Minnesota state series. So a lot more storylines that need to get uh, cleared up in the meantime. We'll, we'll have a lot more clarity on who this team actually is when they go out for a couple road games. So should be fun. Um, thank you guys again for listening. Go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. And screw flow sports, man. Get them the hell out of here.